Hazard Audio. This week on Sports Appeal, Stephen Mack into the NBA, college football playoff rankings, and the NFL midseason report. It's right here. Sports Appeal may contain explicit language. Recorded live at the Launchpad Studios in Chicago. Sports Appeal. This is going to be a home run. I just know it because I can see it in the future. With your hosts, Steve Gross and Matt Axelrod. Play ball. everybody welcome to sports appeal i'm steve gross and i'm Matt axelrod go find us on twitter we try to respond to every single tweet we get we're at the sports appeal go on there and find us we've been doing a lot of these little twitter polls lately we love when you guys participate in those our studio band is full service you can find all their stuff on itunes or spotify or their youtube channel or fullservicemusic.com with us as always the stunning johnny five and we're powered by hazard audio this week's show, we're going to get into some early season NBA stuff. We're going to get to some college football playoff rankings. But first, let's start with the NFL. Most teams have played eight games, so we're right at the midseason point. So let's do a quick little recap of where we're at in the NFL. Matt, what surprised you the most so far in 2015? It's got to be Andy Dalton. This guy is playing lights out. And I have been harsh on Andy Dalton, but so far he's proving me wrong. Now, it matters most in the playoffs where so far he's continually shit the bed. But... <laughs> As of right now, you got to love what you're seeing. Right now, he, through eight games, he has one fewer touchdown than he had in 16 games last year. He's at 18 touchdowns right now. He only has four interceptions. That's 13 fewer than he had last season. So last season, he had 19 touchdowns, 17 picks. This season, 18 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's killing it. That is a marked improvement. And when we looked at the NFL before the season, I said I was excited about the Bengals. And I believe your exact quote was, why? <laughs> look at the Bengals now. They are tearing it up. They look awesome. My big surprise has been the Carolina Panthers. 8-0. and I did not see this coming at all, mostly because they have no weapons on offense. Jonathan Stewart is all right. He's fine. Wide receiver, nobody. They have nobody at wide receiver. Greg Olson is their only offensive weapon. And he is really good. He is really good. Cam Newton basically been doing it by himself. And, I mean, the defense, though. You can't undersell the defense. They've been stellar. Yeah, that defense is absolutely excellent. Ron Rivera gets a ton of credit for what he's built there. Yeah, they're the one seed in the NFC right now. They're two games clear of every other team. And they have the tiebreaker over the Green Bay Packers. So, looks like right now they're going to have home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. And not only do they have the NFC all looking up at them right now, they're still undefeated. That's incredible. Yeah, there's two teams undefeated in the AFC, the Patriots and the Bengals. All the divisions in the AFC pretty much look like they're wrapped up already. Patriots have a big lead. They're 8-0. Second place is the Jets at 5-3. Cincinnati in the AFC North, 8-0. Second place is the Steelers at 5-4. Out West, Denver 7-1. Second place, the Raiders at 4-4. The only division that's up for grabs still in the AFC is the South. And I have no idea who's going to come out there. I think Jacksonville might be the best team in the AFC South. They're 2-6. and six. Yeah, Jacksonville's pretty solid. I like Blake Bortles. They're doing good things there. Their wide receivers are great. They have two of the top wide receivers in the league. They just can't seem to actually win games, which is always a struggle for those young, rebuilt teams. Learning how to win is one of the hardest things you can do. They play well. They just can't win. Yeah, their defense is not good. Before we move on from this topic, I want to do one thing with you real quick. All right. Tell me if these teams are good, yes or no, and then I'll tell you why I'm asking these questions. Okay. Pittsburgh Steelers, are they good, yes or no? Not right now. Okay. Buffalo. No. Jacksonville. No. 
Dallas. Not right now. Indianapolis. No. New York Jets. Yes. Miami Dolphins. No. And Washington Redskins. No. Okay, the reason I asked you those teams in particular are because those are the teams New England has played so far. They're 8-0, but they have played no one. They played one good team, the Jets, and I agree with you on everything you said. You said they're all bad except for the Jets, and they almost lost to the Jets. So I want to see what happens to New England when they play a good team. They've got the Giants this week, which that's their Achilles heel. I'm really looking forward to that game to see what New England is made of because they've had such an easy schedule so far. Yes, they have, although the Giants are not that good. They're 5-4, and four, although they were also only 9-7 and seven the year they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl most recently. Patriots' biggest challenge this year is going to be November 29th at Denver. That's going to be a tough game. But like I said, they haven't played anybody yet, so I'm not ready to say that the Patriots are the best team in NFL yet. Yes, they haven't played many good teams, but their point differential is 133, which is by far the best point differential of any team in the NFL. So they're beating the bad teams really resoundingly. That is totally true. For me, Carolina has a better resume. Even Cincinnati has a better resume than New England. So I'll take both of them over New England right now. And with that, Johnny Five... Take us to the Tweet Zone. Tweet Zone. Hit the tweets. And our first tweet coming to us from at GHAM614. Who is your first half NFL Rookie of the Year? And he gives us some options, guys. Todd Gurley or Amari Cooper? I mean, those are the two options, pretty much. It's Todd Gurley or Amari Cooper. They have both been awesome. Absolutely unbelievable. I got to go with my guy, Gurley. 664 rushing yards and four touchdowns. He's only played in six games, and his first game, he only had six attempts. So really, he's done that in five games. Absolutely crazy. I have to go with Amari Cooper, although Todd Gurley is definitely an excellent choice as well. Amari Cooper has 653 yards. In fact, their stats are eerily similar. Todd Gurley has 664 yards. Amari Cooper has 653 yards. Ty Gurley's longest run is 71 yards. Amari Cooper's longest reception is 68 yards. Ty Gurley has four touchdowns. Amari Cooper has four touchdowns. Ty Gurley has one fumble. Amari Cooper has one fumble. Ty (laughs) Gurley has 27 first downs. Amari Cooper has 27 first downs. That's absurd. They're both having really, really good seasons. The thing that it comes down to for me is Amari Cooper doesn't even have the most receptions on his team. Michael Crabtree does. So I will take my boy, Todd Gurley. He's been blowing up the NFL ever since he's been starting games. Amari Cooper has too, but Gurley's been doing it in a more exciting fashion. He's just been dominant. All right, and for our next one, we did some Twitter polls here at Sports Appeal because our hosts got into an off-air debate about how many major American sports there are. Are there four or five or three? Yeah, the number that gets thrown around the most with this is the four major American sports. We got into a little bit of a debate about this because I was saying soccer is a major American sport, and Matt was saying it isn't. Then we got into whether or not hockey is. So we said, are there three major American sports? So we said, fuck it, let's just let the Sports Appeal listeners decide for us. So, on our polls that we put out on Twitter, we asked, is soccer a major American sport? Results were 58% no, 42% yes. I kind of expected it to be leaning towards no on this one, but it was closer than I thought it would be. Yeah, that's pretty close. And then hockey. This is the one that really surprised me. I expected hockey to be a yes, as did you, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was only 52% yes. It was very, very close. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I thought hockey would be 60-40 at least. 
You know, when I started actually getting into the numbers, I was a little surprised to see. So you've got football, which is by far the most popular. Then you've got baseball and basketball, which are pretty close in terms of popularity. And then you've got hockey, which is way behind. It's about a third as many people watch the final game of the Stanley Cup final as they do the NBA final. And it's only a few million more people than how many watch the MLS final. So really, if soccer isn't a major American sport, I don't see how hockey is either. I think soccer overtakes hockey pretty soon. Maybe one, maybe two more World Cups, and I think soccer is going to be more popular in the, in the United States than hockey is. It's just going to go up from there. If the USA can continue being good and capturing that interest, I completely agree. And our next tweet shows that no topic is off limits for us here at Sports Appeal. We were deciding whether or not we should uh, discuss this, and we decided, hey, what the heck? It calls into question our decision to go with one of our sponsors, but we're sticking with them. Jshaw15 is tweeting to us, don't forget to use promo code cease and desist when you sign up for FanDuel or DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> so the state of New York just decided that DraftKings and FanDuel are gambling. They said, we will not stand for this. It's illegal in the state of New York. And they sent cease and desist letters to both FanDuel and DraftKings. To me, this doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, it makes sense, but not in the way that you would think. The only reason they're doing this is because they're not making any money off of DraftKings and FanDuel. The two states that have outlawed it in recent history are Nevada and New York. Now, Nevada has all kinds of legal gambling. New York has legal horse racing that you could bet on. So what's the difference between that and DraftKings? There's no difference whatsoever. The only difference is they're not making any money on it. Once they figure out how to get their cut, it's going to be fine. Now, it's worth pointing out that most states have a loophole where gambling is okay if it's a game of skill, if it's based on knowledge and facts and skill as opposed to just luck. And that's where they draw the distinction between card games and slots, etc., and daily fantasy. Because this is based on your knowledge of players in games, real people, and understanding the intricacies of the game. So yes, it's obviously gambling, but it fits into that loophole. And New York just wants their cut. Everybody loves DraftKings. I love it. You love it. We both play it all the time. It is so much fun. As a matter of fact, listen to me talk about DraftKings some more. Hey guys, it's Steve here. I know a lot of you have been wanting to try out DraftKings.com. Now is the perfect chance to do that. Fantasy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com, America's favorite place to play daily fantasy sports. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments. You just play whenever you want, pick your sport, draft your team. It's like a new season every time you play, so you're never stuck with the same players. Last year, $300 million were won at DraftKings.com, and you could be the next to win big. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code HAZARD to play for free. That's HAZARD for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Sports Appeal. I'm Steve. That's Matt. Let's dig into the college football playoff rankings. Week number two, Clemson tops the scales once again. Number one, Alabama jumps all the way up to number two with a win over LSU, which if you watch the game, they're actually pretty dominant in that game. It wasn't as close as the score said it was. Ohio State at three. Notre Dame jumps up into the top four, followed by Iowa at five. Baylor at 6. Michigan State dropped all the way down from 7 to 13 after their bullshit loss to Nebraska, where in the last few seconds of the game, a Nebraska wide receiver ran out of bounds on his own and caught the winning touchdown pass. Was ruled to have been pushed out of bounds, even though no one touched him. 
But Michigan State really shouldn't have let the game even be within reaching distance. And this is just karma for the Michigan game where they were pretty much gifted a win in that one. So this kind of stuff happens in college football all the time. We've had games the past four weeks in a row that have had crazy endings. And this is just another example of that. Shit happens, you know? It's just such a blatantly awful call. And then they weren't able to overturn it on review because it's a penalty and you can't add a penalty on review. So just one of those things that happens. The selection committee continues to exhibit their hard-on for Alabama all the way up at number two, even though they have a loss to unranked Ole Miss. Ohio State below them, undefeated. Notre Dame at four, only one loss, but their loss is to number one, Clemson. So for Alabama to be above all these guys is a little puzzling to me. Yeah, and then you've got some other puzzlers like Oklahoma State, who's still undefeated. They absolutely crushed TCU and still only made it up to number eight in the rankings. The big disappointment from the weekend was Memphis, losing to Navy. They were our best shot at a non-Power 5 team getting into the playoff, and they lost. They really blew it. Navy, pretty good team, so it's not a huge upset, but I was pulling for Memphis to go undefeated so they could try to make it into the playoff. Now our best hope, I think, is the University of Houston. Yeah, and Memphis didn't even lose that in a close game either. They lost by almost 20. It was a pretty bad loss. If Houston can run the table, they should be considered. They won't make it into the playoff, but they should be considered because they have to play Memphis, they have to play Temple, they still have to play Navy. So they have a tough schedule coming up. And if they can run the table against these quality teams, that's a really good football team. And then you've got Florida, who played a game to a score you never see in college football. They beat Vanderbilt 9-7, to which is ridiculously, <laughs> like, unfathomably low of a score. Even in the NFL, that will be a low score. That was a crazy game. Vanderbilt has a good defense. They've held a lot of teams to their lowest score of the season. But Florida just, they looked terrible. They were tripping over themselves all over the place. They barely eked one out against an unranked team, and it still looks like they're going to go to the SEC championship game, and they're probably going to get crushed by Alabama in that game. It's bad news for Florida. You know, their quarterback got suspended, and then they got dissed by the playoff committee, only being 10th despite being 7-1, and and then they barely pull one out against Vanderbilt and drop down to 11th. Just a tough couple weeks for Florida here. Anytime you win a game and still drop in the rankings, you know you put up a disappointing performance. And keep your eye on the Big 12 because they pretty much all play each other within the next couple weeks. So that should be exciting. And with that, we're going to bring it back to a new segment we introduced last week called Head to Head. That's where one of us reads stats of two players in the same sport, usually at the same position, although no promises. (laughs) And the other one has to say who they prefer to have and guess who the players are. You ready, Steve? Sure, let's do it. Head to Head. If you want to throw down in fisticuffs, fine. I've got Jack Johnson and Tom O'Leary waiting for you. First matchup comes to us from the world of basketball. Player A is scoring 12 points per game, two steals, eight assists, and six rebounds per game, shooting 42% from the floor and 19% from three. And he's doing that in 32 minutes a game. Player B is scoring 13 points a game with three assists, two and a half rebounds, 40% from the floor and 33% from three. All right, just because I know you, I know these guys aren't playing the same position. You kind of gave it away in the opener there. So, uh, I know one of these guys is a point guard and one's probably a big man who passes a lot. I'm going to go with player A is the big man because he has a lot of rebounds. I'm going to guess that's your guy, Joakim Noah. Rondo. That's Rajon Rondo? I I thought about that too because I was like, these look like Rondo numbers, but he's probably trying to trick me. Damn it. I almost went with Rondo. All right. So player B. Oh, man. 
22 minutes a game. That's so hard. It's going to be anybody. I have no idea. Wes Matthews? Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin. And based on those numbers, who are you taking? I'm taking player A all the way. Rajon Rondo. Who would have thought? I'd probably take Rondo over Jeremy Lin anyway. He's just he's far more consistent. You know what you're going to get with Rajon Rondo. Jeremy Lin, you never know from game to game. Our next set of stats comes to us from the NFL from running backs. Player A has 511 yards, 5.6 yards per attempt. Longest rush is for 28 yards. He has two touchdowns and two 20-plus yard runs, zero fumbles. Player B has 758 yards, four and a half yards per attempt, so over a yard less per attempt, and six runs of 20 plus yards, four touchdowns, and four fumbles. First of all, who are you picking between those two? Let's see here. Um, looking at these numbers, player A has more yards per attempt. Player B averages more yards per game. So I think I'm probably going to go with player B. This is clearly a workhorse back with 169 carries so far this year. I'm going to guess Adrian Peterson. Yes, good guess. That one wasn't as difficult just because he's such a bull carrier. And then player A, 5.6 yards per carry is pretty damn good. Not a whole lot of carries on the year. I don't know, Doug Martin? Gio Bernard. Oh, that was pretty close. Yeah. Not bad. Honestly, I might have to go with Gio Bernard just because four fumbles is a lot of fumbles through eight games. It is. But AP also has 70 more carries than Gio does. That's true, but that 70 more carries probably isn't going to count for four more fumbles considering Gio has zero so far. Yeah, I love Gio Bernard. I'm a big Gio fan. He's probably one of my favorite Tar Heels. I hate North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gio Bernard is definitely exciting. He's a really fun back to watch. It's cool watching him come into his own this season, too. Now, for our last set of stats, these are all wide receivers. Player A has 48 receptions for 659 yards. That's a 13.7-yard average. And he has three touchdowns with one fumble. Player B has 40 receptions for 707 yards. 17.7 yards per reception. Six touchdowns and zero fumbles. First of all, who are you going to take? Obviously, I'm going to take player B. His numbers are way better than player A's. More yards per catch, more touchdowns, fewer fumbles. So player B with 707 yards and six touchdowns. I have a feeling this is one of the Jaguars. It's either Allen Robinson or Allen Hearns. I'm going to go with Allen Hearns. Oh, so close. It's Allen Robinson. Damn, I knew it. Oh, my God. That was good, dude. <laughs> player A? Player A. 48 catches, 659 yards, and three touchdowns. Is it Eric Decker? Nope. Calvin Johnson. Oh, no way! Yeah, he's not having a good year this year. No, he's not. Matt Stafford hasn't looked good. And Allen Robinson was on a lot of people's sleeper boards early in the fantasy season, and he has delivered. Actually, both receivers, this is the reason that I thought it was one of the Jacksonville receivers. This is the first time... Two teammates have both had 600 yards and six touchdowns halfway through the season since the 07 Patriots, which was Randy Moss and Wes Welker. They're also the only two wide receivers in the league averaging over 17 yards per reception. Yeah, that's why I went with Alan Hearns because he has, I think he has fewer catches and more yards per reception than Alan Robinson does. I'm not 100% sure on that. I have to check the stats. But for some reason in my mind, that's what I thought. So I went with Hearns. That's all the matchups we have for this head-to-head, but we will be bringing this back again next week. When we come back from our break, we're going to talk about early NBA season reactions and sports madness. Fantasy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com. Last year, $300 million were won, and you could be the next to win big. 
Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code HAZARD to play for free. That's HAZARD for free entry now at DraftKings.com. You're listening to Sports Appeal. You've got your hosts, Steve and Matt. It's really early in the NBA season, but hey, it's never too early for some overreactions. So let's get started with this. Steph Curry is the best player that's ever lived. He is having an incredible season. I love some of the things you get when you look at small sample size statistics. PER is the best for this, player efficiency rating in the NBA, which if you're not familiar, basically just gives you a rough overview of how well someone's playing. 30 is considered like superstar, one of the best ever for a season. I think the best player efficiency rating for a season ever was like 31. 20 is star level, 15 is average. So early on in the season, maybe four games in, Steph Curry had a player efficiency rating of 50. Then he went out and put up 34 points in a game on over 50% shooting and over 50% from three, and it dropped his PER to 47. That's how well he'd been playing before that. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of the PER stat. There are some issues with it. It's not bad as an index to see who's better than who, but I'm not the biggest fan of it. But Steph Curry averaging 33 points per game to this point in the season and averaging taking 11 three-pointers per game. That's outrageous. And his three-point percentage, 47.1. He's absolutely unreal. This dude is not human. Yeah, and you mentioned he's scoring 33 points a game. That's in 33 minutes a game. He's scoring (laughs) a point a minute. Along with six assists and five rebounds per game, he's a complete player. I've never seen anything like this guy in my lifetime. Well, he's complete except for that whole half of the game we call defense, but he's not a terrible defender. It is 2015. We don't play defense anymore. <laughs> That's why Tom Thibodeau isn't employed. Any player who plays halfway defense makes the all-NBA defensive team. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. There are still a few defensive stalwarts out there, but they're pretty few and far between these days. Let's talk about Andre Drummond, averaging 19.6 rebounds per game. That is unreal. Yeah, Andre Drummond's having a great season, and it's really helping anchor his team to a great 5-2 start. Yeah, the Pistons are Third in the Eastern Conference right now with a 5-2 and two record, like you just said. And they're really surprising some people. Like I said, it's early in the season, but never too early for some overreactions. Another really impressive thing about Andre Drummond's stats is he's averaging seven offensive rebounds a game, which is more than some centers get total rebounds. <coughs> <coughs> and he's got 1.9 steals a game. This dude's averaging two steals a game as a center. That doesn't happen. Absolutely not. Let's talk about some teams that have been blowing it up. Golden State Warriors are pretty much the closest thing to perfect that I've seen in the NBA. They are a great team, averaging 113 points per game right now. 9-0. and I don't see anyone slowing them down anytime soon. No, their defense is surprisingly good for a team that's known as an offensive team. Their ball movement is incredible. They're still undefeated at 9-0 and and have a point differential of plus 17.6, which is absurd. And then first place in the Eastern Conference, Cleveland Cavaliers, we all saw that coming. Second place, Atlanta Hawks at 8-2. and They're not going to do this again, are they? Looks like they are. You know, they're well coached. They're really well-rounded. They don't have any superstars, but they're good. At some point, we're going to talk about the Knicks and my boy Porzingis, who has been a pleasant surprise. Last thing in the East, Philadelphia 76ers. 
literally the last thing in the East. <laughs> 0-8. This is the kind of consistency you just don't see in the NBA anymore. <laughs> yeah, they keep playing shitty and getting these great draft picks, and then a lot of them come in and play well, and they still can't win a damn game. To wrap up the NBA segment, you and I have both been really disappointed in the New Orleans Pelicans. 1-7. They started out 0-7, finally got a victory, but 1-7 is a huge hole to dig yourself out of early in the season, especially in the Western Conference with so many good teams. Yeah, they do have a lot of time. It's a long season but this is a really tough conference it's much better than the eastern conference and one of the crazy things is they are tied for last place with the sacramento kings and the la lakers and actually have a worse point differential than either of those two awful teams they need to get it together in the big easy yeah anthony davis had a slow start to the season he's coming on now but they got work to do to claw their way back into this thing not as much work as kobe has to do God, has he been awful. And with that, Sports Madness. Sports Madness. Our first Sports Madness story is from Oxford, Mississippi, where Ole Miss lost to Arkansas in overtime. The story originated from a tweet sent out by the Oxford, Mississippi Police Department. Their tweet said, Asking us to kick the Arkansas quarterback out of the stadium is not a legit reason to dial 911. That's absurd. (laughs) That's what sports madness is made of. You can't, what a sore loser thing for that fan to do. Great SEC fandom. I love it. The Arkansas quarterback, Brandon Allen, threw for 442 yards and six touchdowns against Ole Miss. And he ran in the game-winning two-point conversion. So you can see why the Ole Miss fans were upset and wanted him out of the stadium. He was just tearing them apart. Good Lord. And this is the same Ole Miss team that actually beat Alabama. Right. And Ole Miss has looked bad ever since then they lost to memphis they lost to florida and now they've lost to arkansas so they're really on the downturn but this is hilarious now our next story comes to us from baseball in 2015 kevin pilar batted 278 why does that make sports madness because he batted 278 against righties he batted 278 against lefties he batted 278 in the first half of the season he batted 278 in the second half of the season you don't see that consistency from anybody i can't remember ever seeing stats like that that is some crazy consistency and this is Axelrod's Reddit stat of the week. He's always coming to me with these crazy stats he finds on Reddit, and I'm always like, hey, that's great, who cares? This this one is actually pretty cool, so we decided to put it in the show. Maybe from time to time we'll let him throw one in. (laughs) Our last story, my boy Rex Ryan, my ex-boy Rex Ryan, we've now broken up, has made a change to the captainship for this week's Bills game against the Jets on Thursday night. He promoted a backup linebacker to captain, and not just any backup linebacker, I.K. Anampali. That's right, the same I.K. Anampali who broke Geno Smith's jaw earlier in the season, punching him in the face in the locker room. That's not some other I.K. Anampali. There's only one, if you can believe that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Steve, this doesn't really do it for me as sports madness, because Rex Ryan apparently always does this. He makes players be the captains when they're going against their former teams. Probably does have a little something to do with the fact that he punched Geno, but he would have done it anyway. Are you seriously giving Rex Ryan the benefit of the doubt? Are you kidding me? He meant this to be a troll job, and this absolutely goes beyond being a troll job. This is just disrespectful. Doing the same thing he does every single week in one particular week is a troll job? Promoting a guy from practice 
squad to the active roster and then making him a captain. He does that every week. He would do it every <laughs> week if they were playing against their former team. Bullshit. I call bullshit. You're just a bitter Jets fan. You can't come to terms with the facts. You could just say Jets fan. You can leave out the bitter part. <laughs> it's implied. Thanks for listening. That's it for Sports Appeal. Tweet at us at the Sports Appeal. Find us on Facebook. We are produced by Johnny Five and powered by Hazard Audio. The conversation continues right now on Extra Points. We're going to be talking about the MLB offseason winter meetings and the worst NFL players according to Pro Football Focus. And we've got our NFL picks against the spread. Playing us out is going to be Vukoda by Full Service off their new album, Lockers. And once the drops, they run down your chest, I bet your sweat tastes great.
for five. That one surprised me a little bit. Yeah. 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 Interesting. <laughs> Hazard Audio.